0: Welcome to the Safety Break, the Whitewater Rescue Podcast. We're here to share stories of real river accidents and rescues and find expert advice on how to solve the problems you might encounter in the Whitewater River environment. I'm your host, Jack Diddy, an emergency medicine physician, whitewater paddler, and wilderness medicine educator. Together, I hope we can celebrate successful rescues and learn from our mistakes in a supportive environment. If you have a story to share of a non-fatal accident or rescue, send me an email at thesafetybreak at gmail.com or or contact me on our Facebook page, The Safety Break. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button and follow us on social media. I hope you learned something valuable in the show. Saturday in November is fast approaching. It's a stressful time of year for the nearly 200 paddlers who plan to fire up the Green River Narrows race that day. Maybe a little extra stressful this year as the drought conditions have led to very low water and little chance to practice the course that the typical race day flows. It's been hanging out at about six and a half inches since late summer. Nevertheless, as we get into October, longboat practice laps are now starting to dominate the local scene. Low water green laps in a longboat are especially abusive and there's been more than a few internet posts this year about missing paddles, broken boats, and bruised egos. We're going to hear a story today from first-time racer Ilya Smirnov about one of these practice laps gone wrong, with a narrowly avoided fatal outcome, it seems. And we'll be talking about green race safety in the next several episodes of the Safety Break as well. I have interviews from a race veteran trying to make a strong comeback, and two of the top-notch safety crew that help hold this whole thing together amidst the swirling chaos. Stay tuned for those in the next few weeks. For those listeners unfamiliar with the Green Narrows race, I think it's worth a moment of explanation. This thing is by far one of the most unique, challenging, and exciting events in the history of whitewater sport, for both the racers and the spectators. The Green is a small-volume Class 5 steep creek in the Blue Ridge Mountains of western North Carolina. From its source at the Eastern Divide, it drops precipitously to the Piedmont region. In its steepest mile, it falls about 400 feet, screaming down a series of spectacularly carved granite bedrock rapids. It takes racers only about four or five minutes to get through the course, but it takes tremendous technical skill, power, and courage to negotiate these class four and five rapids. The most famous and the most visually spectacular of these is a tight flume-typed waterfall called Gorilla. If you haven't seen this, it's worth a quick internet search to watch the racers coming through and to see the enormous crowd perched on the steep rock ledges above. It's quite an amazing scene. But while Gorilla gets a lot of the attention, there's another spot a little further upstream that probably holds the most objective hazard for the racers. It's a hard rapid called Go Left and Die. And of course, the standard line here is to go left. You get set up on the right and drive across the top of the 8-foot falls to the far left of the drop, falling into a narrow slot that's just wide enough for a boat to fit through. However, for the top racers that are trying to shave off every second they can, there's another way to enter the rapid. A demanding move called Hot Left. The simplest way to describe this move is that you skip the usual slow setup from the right, and instead just take a straighter approach, charging over a small rock booth in the entrance, hoping it doesn't deflect you too far off course. Missed lines here often end up with a rock piton, a beat down in the hole at the base of the drop, and then either being pushed through the normal left slot, or being stuffed through an even tighter slot to the right. So that's the scene of this incident. Let's hear how it went down, from our guest Ilya Smirnov.
1: Uh, my name is uh, Ilya Smirnov, um, I'm from Raleigh area, we live in a little town called Anger, and um, I've been paddling whitewater for probably about eight years, and you know, I've done uh, really a little bit of everything. I've uh, started actually guiding rafts, which I still do, and then uh, picked up kayaking, um, actually the last couple of years I did C1. And then earlier this year in January, we just finished the Grand Canyon trip. So we were um, we were on oars with some big rigs and then um, switched back to kayaking for this year and um, with anticipation to participate in the Green River Race. I will have never done the green, uh, even the upper section until June and, um, you know, I had a pretty sophisticated training plan and a lot went into it and so yeah overall i think it was going good i switched to running long boats i started in a long boat probably in early july early to mid july and i have done countless um short courses from frankenstein to pincushion and i would um throw my kayak back on the shoulder and hike back up and run it over and over again and i've uh, many days I spend walking that section and trying to dial it in. Then lately I kind of moved on and I start working the slides, um, and that's uh, right. I, w- I would drop in right at the um, uh, speed trap and then work my way all the way down to the finish line and get the kayak back on my shoulder, hike back up and kind of work that section. Um, I get pretty comfortable on go left. Maybe that was my one of my problems. But, uh, you know, running the traditional line um, felt pretty good about that and for actually quite a few laps, um, you know, didn't have any issues and had pretty clean lines. Um, and um, ran Gorilla from maybe as low as 7.5 inches and as high as I think one day was 14.5 um and then uh but lately gorilla you know was uh i would walk it of course because the water was just too low um so you know before last sunday i feel like i was covering the course pretty well and i did not have a single necessarily pinpoint where i was like oh man this is this is rough um i was looking forward to seeing higher water flow to start lapping gorilla just so I can dial in that line and connecting the entire course. You know, uh, I think overall the training was going real well. And um, I think I was um, getting uh, quite comfortable with with the lines and uh, especially in a long boat. And that's not to say there's still countless hours of work to be done. Uh, But... You know, uh, I think the work that I did put in early in the year was kind of paying off. So really, the whole thing started actually on Saturday. Hot left was kind of on my radar. And um, I didn't necessarily have a precise game plan if I'm going to run hot left. But in the same time, I felt like if I'm going to come off boofers clean and in a good position to kind of try the hot left, that I will. And that's precisely what happened. I came off good. I was shooting straight for the hot left line. And, you know, I did the boost stroke, landed well, went right for the go left. And as I dropped in, um, dropped in fairly quick to the right side. And, but the bow was pointing straight down. And actually, it ended up pointing right into the right slot. And I stalled out for, you know, a second and a half maybe in the hole and held the paddle in there and it pulled me out and it was kind of fun. So, you know, and then the day was great. Did my slide work. Everything else was great. Um, and, you know, the only mental note I had, I was like, oh man, like with goal left, If when I try it next time, I need to drive, well, for one harder, but for two with uh more left with more left angle and pretty much when i came um to frankenstein the following day on sunday had nearly identical game plan i was going to run to gorilla i was going to decide about hot left a traditional line right as it was happening and um you know but again i came off boofer's nearly identical and again, I went for the hot left and again, I dropped off early to the right, except for this time, as I intended, I had left angle and I was driving more left. But the bow did hit the middle rock. The hit was pretty hard and both of my legs, especially my left leg and my left foot, end up sliding to the far right side of the bulkhead and the bulkhead folded and my left leg ended up sideways kind of completely under the bulkhead of course as a bulkhead folded the um, uh, the outfitting and the uh, pylon folded also and effectively I, I was pinned uh, with uh, my leg under the bulkhead, and uh, effectively uh, inability to get out. So when I was in a hole, there was two red flags for me. One was the fact that I wasn't in, in, you know, go left in the hole, and I knew that was not a good place where I needed to be. Uh, But what really kind of set off the motion for me to start getting out of that spot is the fact that I... Briefly slows the bow, and at that point, I did not realize that the bow was folded, but I saw the bow that was dead still. And as we probably all know, how violent things are in that hole, and all the water that's being rushed around me, and I'm seeing that blue bow that is just dead still. And that was, you know, big red flag where, you know, I knew I was like, all right, it's time to go. Like something is not right. so at this point, I'm still all underwater. I forgot to kind of mention also again, I'm racing. So at this point, as I dropped in to go left, my heart rate had to be 160, 170. And so at this point, I'm completely cut off the oxygen. And uh, no thoughts, no panic, no nothing, except for I need to get out. This
0: is certainly a worst nightmare scenario, especially while solo paddling pin with head down under the water, boat partially collapsed, and trapping the paddler with it. And the paddler in this case already at maximal physical exertion just prior to the pin. So the margin here between life and death is truly a matter of seconds. Luckily, Ilya was able to maintain focus and take some quick and decisive action. There's a headcam video that he posted online that shows this ordeal, although you can't really see what's going on in the boat. I'll have a link on our Facebook site so you can see how the pin occurred at least. Here's his description of his escape.
1: Um, and not really sure. And that's the mystery that I'm, uh, going to be breaking down in my head for a little while, but maybe I had a feel that my leg, if I moved it and twisted, um, inward, that my shin bone was actually lowering itself and I felt less pressure from the bulkhead, and it just clicked that that's the way my leg had to go, except for the leg was not moving. And yet another something clicked in my brain that if the leg is not moving, then I need to move around my leg to straighten it out because otherwise it's not coming out. I was able to pull my right leg out uh, out of the cockpit. And as I did that, I started to bear crawl around my left leg, and in some shape or form, I was effectively facing stern uh, by, you know, uh, climbing around my leg, and at that point, I was able to put my right leg that was, um, right foot that was free on the cockpit, and essentially uh, push with insane force to be able to pull my left leg out, and i did that multiple times and as that went on i kept rotating and then eventually even in the video you see that first i'm facing the rocks on the right then i'm facing the rocks the middle rock that i was pinned on and at some point i'm even on the left side of the middle rock just because of all that rotation except for my leg is still trapped and i am um realizing that at this point now all the river current on the left side is pulling me because I'm dead in the middle of it just about. And my leg is still twisted in the boat and I'm having a thought. It's like, oh man, like I think my leg is about to break. Um, and it didn't. And in fact that, you know, with my pools and the river current that not only I was able to pull my leg out, but as my leg was my leg was getting my foot was getting freed. With that, I was able to pull the boat out of that pin, and then next thing I know, I'm dropping in a left chute, and I still feel the boat around my leg, except for my leg was no longer trapped. It was the boat was just I was felted that the boat came out, and then you know next thing I'm dead in the middle of the go left car and right below it, and I'm going for for the big strainer tree. And at that point, you know, I still need to put some swimming in to to get away at least from that strainer. And I I swam over. Next thing I see there was a flat rock kinda in the middle, and that's about all the juices I had left in me to get to that rock. And I got to the rock and then I laid on it for about five minutes trying to just catch the breath. because You know, in about 15, I think, or so, 15, 18 seconds, I was in it. It drained absolutely every bit out of me. But that's effectively kind of, I feel like that's how it went down. And um, I'm still processing some things and still wonder um, why things happen, you know, you know, how I was reacting. You know, I never panicked. I never thought about that I need to breathe i never thought about being pinned i never thought none of that because i feel like if i realize that i'm pinned or if i realize that my leg is trapped there is a good chance i would start panicking and none of that happened i stayed with it and kind of with a laser focus on what needs to be happening and and even now i'm just buggled to to the max of how you know, my body, my brain reacted, what I needed to do, why I needed to bear crawl around my leg to straighten it out and pull it out and, you know.
0: A few other paddlers showed up shortly after his incident and helped him patch together his gear to paddle the rest of the river and safely make it home. He told me that over the next few hours he had that strange out-of-body sensation you have with any near-death experience. He also reflected on some of the lessons that he took away from this and some of the things that he
1: wishes he had known or thought differently prior to the incident. I account everything strictly to myself and, um, you know, that's kind of that. But nonetheless, and I think there were two primary assumptions that were plain wrong. One of the things that... um, effectively quote-unquote i knew which clearly was not the case that modern boats would not pin and go left you know um modern boats have enough structural reinforcement peelers, bulkheads and um that you know even if you on in the middle your boat is going to bounce off and come up and at least you're going to be on top of the hull the second assumption was that As I actually have learned in the comments after the incident is that, um, you know, hot left should not be, um, running at, you know, low water levels. It's probably still possible, but it's probably not a good idea. So I think that's the two pieces of information that, um, really contributed to my decisions. And if I've known differently, I certainly would have had different decisions, Considering that a lot of traditional boundaries is already pushed uh, when you're practicing for the race, uh, including that I've been out there many times on my own. And probably a whole lot of people would say that it's not a good idea to run class five by yourself. But, you know, uh, the boundaries were pushed and I felt very comfortable. And if I knew that, hey, like go left, can have those kind of consequences, um, there's a good chance I would not even run go left by myself, even traditional line. Um, but you know, I think the the for somebody like myself who I like to do the work, do the research, study, but I like to do it myself. Um, there is no rock solid information out there. My recommendation to the community. And I would love to be proact- take a proactive uh, part in it is to gather some of that very, uh, very detailed information and knowledge base from the paddling community and put it together to a good use. So then there is a good reference for things like, hey, like let's say going running hot left below as eight inches is not a good idea. I see that being beneficial um and potentially that will prevent from something like that happening in the future to someone who is just not aware of all the facts around such a complicated rapid for example there's been some observation or speculation that the water is pushing a little
0: harder right than usual in the past few years which may be the case but after discussing this drop recently with some of the local green legends I think the consensus is that this hot left line is just a tight and difficult move at any level, particularly at low water, and with serious consequences. It's not for everyone. If you intend to run it, it deserves a lot of scrutiny and respect. After my discussion with Ilya, it was pretty clear to me that he has a pretty fiercely independent mindset, which I certainly respect. And while he made some mistakes here, underestimating a difficult move and trying it while paddling alone, I admire his willingness to put this story out there to try to help others learn from these mistakes. That takes a lot of guts. It represents to me what this podcast is all about. I would love to see a cultural shift in our critique of these accidents online when people are willing to share them. Every friend I've known who died on the river did so because of a preventable mistake. But every paddler I've ever known, including myself, has made those same mistakes multiple times over. Underestimating a rapid, paddling around a blind corner into the unknown, missing a critical stroke and a hard drop. Most times we just get lucky, we get a free pass and make it through but sometimes that luck runs out. So let's make a point to let people tell their stories and be supportive and constructively analytical when addressing them. We'll hear more stories and maybe learn from these mistakes if people are willing to talk about them.
1: Well, crazy enough, I've already paddled the green again. Uh, And, uh, well, this time I did sneak sneak line. I figured I'm going to just be gentle with it and take a little bit more time to ease back into it. And, and, you know, and I don't know. That's one of those things that um, a- along with many other things around this incident that I'm just uh, agreeing with myself to, to take time and not make any decisions. And at this point, I would say I don't think I'm going to run hot left again. Uh, and I think I'm going to likely very, uh, do traditional line. But there is also a chance that I might end up sneaking go left all together and um you know so i still i'm i'm still excited about the green i'm still planning to to do my first race and maybe last thing i'd like to just again say the the value that i feel that that community brings and has and it's just amazing being part of it and i'm very grateful for all the support i received i'm grateful for all the help Physical help that went into you know uh, helping me when I needed that help and um, it's just amazing being part of it. On the day
0: this episode is published I was happy to see Ilya posting up on the Green Narrows Facebook page looking for paddling partners for another practice lap today rather than charging in solo. Race day is fast approaching and if you haven't started practicing yet it's high time to do so. Get out there and join them. Stay safe out there and join us on here for more Green Race Safety Talk coming up soon. Thank you for listening to the Safety Break, the Whitewater Rescue Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button and click follow on our Facebook page so we know that you're out there. I'm also looking for more stories, If you know of an interesting, non-fatal river accident or rescue, send me a few details by email, safetybreak at gmail.com. It doesn't have to be dramatic or life-threatening, just something that we all might be able to learn from. I'll see if we can turn it into an episode. Stay safe out there, and I hope to see you on the river.